Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Then Proverbs 19.11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us clearly and simply, but in a way that completely reorients everything about uh, how we think about ourselves, how we think about others, how we live our lives in this world. Lord, I praise you that you are not sitting on top of a mountain where only the gurus or the holy people can know about you. Lord, we thank you that you um, are not dwelling far from us so that only those who have their life put together can come to you and have life. But Lord, you speak directly to us where we are because you want to be heard by us. And so Lord, it's us that generally turn our ears away from you. And so Lord, would you direct our ears back to you and our hearts towards you to really hear, Lord, we don't know how to be angry and not destroy ourselves and destroy those around us. So Lord, would you teach us a new way, you who are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Teach our souls. Show us how to live. Speak through our brother, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Chris. Am I on? Yep, I'm on. Good morning. Good morning, or afternoon, if you're watching this this afternoon or some other afternoon. Let me start with reading a quotation from a, a pastor and a, really an incredible writer named Frederick Buechner. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you're going to give back. In many ways, it is a feast for fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. And from one of my favorite singer-songwriters uh, um, when I was younger, David Wilcox, I know that compassion is all out of fashion and anger is all the rage. Grow up and give in to that cynical spin that you see on most every stage. We're going to talk about anger today. Anybody ever find themselves on the wrong side of anger? Either giving it or receiving it? This whole sermon series is about wisdom, and today's is about the wisdom of anger, or the wisdom with anger, wisdom with anger. It's all about our Lord Jesus growing us in resurrection wisdom, wisdom living in the light of Jesus. And as Chris said, wisdom is the art, is the skill in the art of living, and Christian wisdom is the skill in the art of living as God intends through and in Christ Jesus. He is the one who came and died and resurrected and now reigns over his church, over us, 
And he is the one, the wise, true and wise one who will teach us wisdom, show us wisdom, and bring his wisdom to bear in our lives. Now remember, Proverbs has three groups of people it works with in terms of wisdom, the wise, the fool, and the simple. The wise are the people who have embraced God's love for them and his ways for them, his lordship over them, have trained in this art of living, the skill in the art of living. The fool is the person who is steadily opposed to God's ways um, and despising any instruction in them. He rejects the loving relationship with the Father, even the Father's grace. The simple is not committed either to wisdom or to folly, so he's easily or she's easily misled. The simple doesn't try to gain or grow in wisdom, so he or she grabs haphazardly to whatever works for them at the time. So the fool, the simple, and the wise. And we're going to explore these groups together in relationship to anger. But the first thing to admit, or the, the scriptures assume, the Proverbs assume, is that you are angry. And you must admit it. You are, in fact, angry. 80% of American drivers say that they have gotten angry while driving, and according to my scholarly analysis, the other 20% are lying (laughs) or self-deceived. I don't know which one's worse. Anger truly is all the rage, and if you don't believe me, I would like for you to introduce you to this social, social media platform called Twitter. Or its older sister, Facebook. Or its uncle, the television. Or its granddad, the radio. You know the ravages of rage, the destruction of fury. You have received it. And if you're brave enough to admit it, you've given it. You've given your fair share of it. So when we start to talk about these categories, the angry, anger of a fool, or angry like a fool, angry like a simpleton, or the simple, or angry like the wise, we do this so that we might not just con- be condemned by it, but we would see the invitation in it. So let's start with angry like a fool. Whoever has a hasty temper exalts folly. You hear that? Hasty temper fast to anger. Other other Proverbs use the term hot temper. Foolish anger is like little Caesars, hot and ready. (laughs) And it's always about speed and temperature. Foolish anger is hot, inflamed by either injustice or ignorance, flush in the face. Foolish anger is hot and ready, ready to pounce, to burn up, fiery and furious. So ask yourselves, in your anger, when is it hot and ready, like a fool? But there's also another kind of anger of the fool, and that's what I'm calling barrel-aged. I'll go to Ecclesiastes for this. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, because anger lodges is in the bosom of your soul. If you age, say, a beer in a poorly cleaned barrel, the bacteria that has been lodged in that barrel, barrel actually ruins the beer and the uh, microbes. I'll probably stop there. But I know, what, I know bad things happen, and I have tasted one of these before, and it has this taste like sour cherries mixed with buttered popcorn. 
all from some microbial yuck. I actually tend towards this barrel-aged anger. But, honestly, I've never really been afraid of a Little Caesars run either. How about you? Proverbs is inviting you to see unwise anger, to admit, to own when this is true of you, when your heart's anger is a foolish anger. Okay, but there's simple anger too. What about that? Angry like the simple. Have you ever talked to somebody and, they're, and, and you, you can feel it getting edgy and a little hot and you're like, are, are you angry? I think, I think you're angry. And they're like, I'm not angry. Well, it sounds like you're kind of angry. Well, I'm about to get angry because you keep asking me if I'm angry. This anger is often the anger that is unknown or anger that is pushed down or pushed away. This is the simple's anger. Frustration simmering on this low heat until it's a reduction of rage. It's the fool's, if the fool's anger is embraced, the simple's anger is ignored. And the simple can't, sometimes can't even see it themselves, won't even admit it to themselves. But this simple anger is, is just as dangerous. It lodges just as completely in the heart. And it's just as controlling. And either it will burst out of your mouth or will disintegrate your soul. The chemistry of simple anger is always going to end in an explosion or corrosion. It'd be undealt with, unexpressed, and it'll either blow up or like acid, ruin your insides. When I'm experiencing simple anger, this is kind of weird, I was wondering if I should share it, but I actually experience it in dreams. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit's... RPM gauge for me to, to let me know if my engine's running hot. Sometimes I have a dream where I'm verbally violent. I'll play out an argument where I utterly destroy a person verbally. And it's weird. Sometimes I even simply picture myself and I don't know who I'm talking to. I can't see what that is or what I'm talking to. But I am telling, telling this nameless other what I really think. And this is when I know I'm having that simple anger. And if I don't pay attention to it, it becomes the foolish anger. and becomes hot and ready. And it's, it's, a, it's a gift from God to say, okay, slow down, examine. Where are you, where's this anger from? What is this about? Why is it undealt with? Now, to my shame, I often ignore it and just take the cathartic experience, even in your dreams. And so I'm not saying it's necessarily a sin to yell in your dreams, but I'm saying it is unwise to pretend that the anger is not there, that it doesn't need to be dealt with. But Proverbs doesn't just diagnose the anger of the fool and the simple. It invites us to the anger of the wise. The the solution in Proverbs is not the absence of anger, but embracing anger that is wise. Angry like the wise, it almost doesn't even feel right to say or hear. The anger of the wise, first and foremost, you need to hear this, is still anger. Though we often sin in our anger, anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin, we just often sin in our anger. Anger is what theologians, church nerds, call communicable attribute, 
which is a way of saying it's one of the characteristics of God that he has shared with humans. Like love, holiness, graciousness, kindness, not like being all-knowing and infinite. Truth, rationality, love, and anger. The presence of anger is not the problem necessarily, but the shape that it takes in our souls and in our relationships. That's when the problems come. If the first main idea uh, is that we're angry and our anger is displayed in these three categories, the second thing is that I I, want to say something like, we're not angry enough about the right things. Wise anger is slow and sane, measured and deliberate. Look at the Proverbs we read. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Good sense makes one slow to anger. It's not the absence, it's the wisdom of it being slow. Wise anger is slow and sane. It makes sense. Proverbs say that wise anger makes good sense and is slow, is full of understanding, even empathy, and it is never rash or hot and ready. This is so foreign to most of us that it almost sounds like, what are you saying, man? And it's been hard to think of an example of this. Uh, certainly in my own life. So I want to tell you a story. I'm changing the names and details to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. In fact, I'm going to make it hypothetical and bring it to 1046 Miller Street and mess it up a whole bunch so you'll never know how to connect it to the real story. Let's say Redeemer is um, suffering. We're, 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 we're struggling with cash, right? Slowly our, our programs and our uh, ministries and our or, or make its way to a preferential treatment to people with money, to the rich. Ever so slightly, but over the years, it becomes part of our culture. It lodges in. If you have money, you will have access. But then it flips and it turns into, if you don't have money, you won't have access. If you don't have money, you don't have access. In fact, it gets even worse because if, if you want the Lord's grace, you end up having to pay for it in some way. You now have to buy these tokens in order for you to get to the Lord's Supper. I mean, this would be bad. It'd be an awful thing. A few few years later, certain um, members uh, become lenders in the parking lot who could sell sell those tokens on, on the cheap for folks that didn't have as much money. And then the corruption really begins because the, 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 the price gouging starts to happen, right? And the Hawthorne grounds become a pawn sh- uh, full of pawn shops to buy and sell these tokens. And now the poor can barely afford to receive the grace of the Lord's Supper. And their fellow Christians are getting rich off the low Lord's Supper token trade. Well, a man comes to our church, a, a truly holy man, steeped in God's word and God's ways, full of truth and grace through mercy and just, of mercy and justice, and we'll name him Joshua Josephson. Joshua hangs out for a few years, getting to know us, tries to teach us the ways of God, and we won't listen. And one day, Joshua Joseph's son heads out to Barry's shop. We're all out there on the Hawthorne grounds in the hustle and bustle of things. He grabs a long piece of solid wood and then starts turning it on the lathe. 
We're not really paying attention to him, but he is doing this. He finishes smoothing and sandy, maybe, sanding, maybe a little oiling. Then Joshua comes out very calmly with his well-polished new baseball bat. And just as calmly, starts whacking all the tables of the moneylenders and scattering the people. Starts quoting scripture about being a den of thieves and when you're supposed to be a, a house of prayer for all people. And after he finished this expression of anger, Joshua, son of Joseph, sits at the barn and gathers all who would come and teaches them the ways of God. Right there on the Hawthorne grounds. What would people react like? How would people experience that? Some would be horrified. Some would be liberated and so excited. Some would be said he's overacting. Some would say he's crazy. You know what God says? He was wise in his anger. What if I tell you that Jesus was the angriest man that ever lived? Not angry like you are often angry. Not angry like your mom or your dad. And he's not angry at the same things we are angry about. And certainly not in the same ways. Jesus is the angriest. He's also the lovingest man that ever lived. He was the tenderest, the boldest, the most prophet truth tellerist, and the most sorrowful man that ever lived. But he's not even got, ever gotten even close to the anger of the fool or the anger of the simple. His anger was always wise. When Jesus did this in the temple in Jerusalem, you can read it in John 2. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bat, it was a whip. Coins and people scattered because Jesus was angry because they were stealing from the poor and trying to sell grace. That was wise anger, something rightly to be angry about. Grace costs. It costs God a lot, but he only gives it away free. He was anger, but it was this truly holy, unbelievable to our own imaginations, beautiful, loving, deliberate, measured, slow, and sane anger. It was the stuff of God himself. And with this virtuous anger, we, we can barely imagine it to be good at times. We have all sorts of reactions, but that's on us. That's not on Jesus. We dawdle in anger of the fool and the simple, and we're not angry enough about the right things and too angry about the things that don't really matter. We dabble in our sin and have no anger against the cruelty and death in our world. We get mad if our rights are taken away. We barely notice lies and poverty. Poverty of our own souls. We're not angry at our own sin. But Jesus' anger was perfect and perfectly wise. Jesus had the anger of God, and so we need to explore what that anger is like through the Proverbs and other places in Scripture, because it can be really um, uh, terrorizing for the ways it's been explained in the past, if, or you've heard it in the past, or whether it was the person speaking issue or yours or whatever it is. It's really easy to miss this. Jesus was the embodiment of God, literally God in flesh, and he was angry like God was. But the one thing you know, you hear most about God's anger in all of scriptures and the Proverbs is, the, is that his anger is patient. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, and he proclaimed, 
The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness from Exodus. Psalm 86 from Moses' mouth. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And Jonah 4, the reason why Jonah ran away from his job is because he didn't like the people he was going to go preach to. And he knew this. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Do not be fooled. Jesus did not fly off the handle. God does not fly off the handle. You don't have to duck for, uh, in a second because he was showing you some emotion first and then something later. But do not be fooled. The other thing that is true about God's anger is that it is powerful. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. It's still anger, but it's wise and slow and deliberate. The Lord is slow to anger, Nahum says, and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. For we are brought to an end, Psalm 90 says, this is actually Moses, I was wrong on the last one. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. There's power in that and it exposes us. Let us not be fooled. God is angry. But God is, God is not just patient in his anger and powerful in his anger. And this is the wildest part. He celebrates the pardoning in his anger. Let me read something about how power and pardon work. It's from a collect, which is a prayer in the Book of Common Prayer. And it says, God's almighty power is most chiefly seen in his showing of mercy and pity. The most powerful thing he does is in the showing of his mercy and pity. His, his, his anger has power and patience, but it comes from his love. His anger, its power and patience, is, is the anger that, that, that it is good to pardon offenses with. So Proverbs says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is the glory, it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is our glory to overlook an offense with slow anger powerful and patient because it is God's glory to overlook our offenses in his patient and powerful anger. When I say overlook here, it does not mean ignore the offense. Overlooking offense is absorbing an offense. Who is a God like you, Micah says, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions for the remnant? How does he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in his steadfast love. Y'all, sometimes we talk about God's anger, and I've said this before, and some weird idea comes in. We twist it so that the fundamental relationship between God and people is anger. The gospel turns out to be God so hated the world that he killed his son so you could be good enough to be loved. The gospel is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever would bend the knee to him, yield to him, believe in him, would not perish from the anger, 
but then have everlasting life and love. The animating reality of God's anger is pardon because it's his love. It's precisely because he loves his creation that he's angry with the way we've treated it. It's precisely because we love, he loves his son that he will have him reign over all the bended knees of the world. God's anger is his love in action against sin. That's where Jesus comes in. He didn't dis- display the anger of God. He absorbed the anger of God. The genius beauty of the gospel of God is that the rightful anger he has had to be absorbed, and he absorbed it in in himself instead of on us. That is the glorious genius of the gospel. God's gospel is the great deluge of love that overwhelms his anger because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. His love creates his anger, and his love extinguishes his anger. It's patient, powerful, and ultimately it's pardoning to those who will come to him. Jesus has come to reign in love, to pardon you of your rage against him and his ways, to call you to a new life with a new heart, a new obedience because of the resurrection of Jesus and to actually make you wise in this resurrection uh, wisdom, actually to make you angry about the right things and less angry about the wrong things to make you patient, powerful, and pardoning in your anger because he has been patient, powerful, and most of all, pardoning in his. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you keep us. We actually do thank you for your anger, but more we thank you for your love that extinguished that anger, that absorbed the right anger you and the Father and the Spirit had against us, but that you made a way to deal with it in your genius Trinity plan you had, and that it was all born of love. May we run to you for it, the forgiveness, the freedom. May we take our anger to you and show us how to use it well. We pray in your name. Amen.